Oh, just stand up on your feet and lift up your hands. Thank God for His goodness. Thank God for His glory. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Phyllis, come on. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just reach your hands out toward Phyllis this evening. Father, we thank you for the vessel of Phyllis. And we say, fill her up, Lord, with your anointing. Let your wisdom flow out of her. Utter it strong and precise, perfect and complete. And give us all ears to hear and eyes to see. And we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise for every good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory. I'm glad I came. What about y'all? Well, you can be seated. You know, we've been doing this, I guess this is our seventh year, and every year we get good testimonies about it, but every year we go through another year here at the church where we minister to people that didn't come the year before, and we have to minister to them, you know, about their marriage situations, and you just want to cry with people because you know the troubles that people are having, because I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that people can go through. But when you're living with somebody every day and you're dealing with things every day. I had a lady just the other day. She came up to me and uh, I met her and I was hugging her and uh, she was crying. And she said, I don't want to stand anymore. Just want to quit. I said, been there. Done that. Then a few months before that, we were with somebody in the back and we were counseling with them and they said, yeah, we got it. We're going to make it. We got it. We know just what to do. We're going to make it. Next thing I know, she's gone. Then we had somebody else and they told us, oh no, we're splitting up. It's over, done, kaput. You look around, there they are holding hands, sitting together. So, you know, you can't figure it all out with your head. It's got to be God. It's got to be the anointing. It's got to be what he does. We, uh, this thing up here will mess you up. And so uh, I got some things on my heart. Well, to be honest with you, I got some things on my heart. And then this afternoon when I was putting my makeup on, it all changed. Now, that's fun. Not really. So uh, I rushed around and rushed around and got ready and ran in there. And Keith asked me before he left, he said, you ready? I think he said something like, feels good when you get settled on something, doesn't it? I said, yep, feels good. About that time, I got up, started getting ready, and it all changed. And I had been settled on it kind of for a couple of days, but I think this is the right way to go. Yeah, you know, you can have a lot in you, and if you just trust the Lord, he'll bring out whatever needs to come out. I know so many times, you know, when I'm talking with Keith about all this marriage stuff, if I were to just stand right here right now and say, okay, how many of you know what the scripture says about marriage? Husbands, love your wives. How many of you husbands know that? Okay, let me ask you this. Is there a man in this room tonight that does not know that the Bible says, husbands, love your wife? 
That's just what I thought. Not one. Okay? All right, wives. Is there a wife in this room that doesn't know that the Bible says wives submit? That's what I thought. So where's the problem? We could just go home now. Let's just get our Bibles and just go home. Right? So what's the problem? Because we all know it's in there. Every single one of us know it says, Husband, love your wife. Wife, submit to your husband. Not one person raised their hand. Not one person didn't know it. So where do we mess up? I think Dave and I laugh all the time because... We, if we go to Keith about something, his first words to us often are, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. So many times we'll ask him something, he'll say, well, it's not complicated. And we'll just go, okay. Because to us, at the time, it is. But he's seeing it clearly, and at the time, we're not. But this is not complicated. What's happened so many times is we complicate it. How many of you have ever heard me tell years ago I was rebellious? Keith laughs out loud. You can hear him, right? You know why he laughed out loud? Because I said years ago. (laughs) Years ago, I I, I tell the stories about how rebellious I was. And, I mean, we had major troubles over it. I mean, you know, it was like never-ending troubles over it. I mean, I would, whatever I could do, because I've told it lots of times, because Keith taught submission and authority, and I thought it was my job to prove that it didn't work. (laughs) You know, that was my call in life. But, you know, it wasn't. You know, and so we got past that. Glory to God. And... um, Made some major, major victories. And I thought I had majorly, will never have to deal with that again in my life. You know, I thought, faith woman, I'll never have to deal with issues like that again. I have climbed that step, passed that rung. That temptation is gone forever. What are y'all looking at? (laughs) You've never thought that? Well, a few months ago, Keith says, uh, we're going to do this. And I went, uh-uh. Nope, don't think so. Now, you never did that. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> and what happened then? I was going to title my message tonight, Three words, and you can write them down because we're going to keep coming back to them. Feelings, fear, and flesh. When he told me that, some things that we were going to do in ministry, all these wonderful, glorious, magnificent, loving, sweet feelings rose up in me. Not... What feelings rose up in me was not happy feelings because I didn't get it first. Everything we've got and done before, I got. And I thought, yeah, 
this would be good. But I didn't got this. So other feelings rose up. And I thought, now this can't be rebellion. I'm done with rebellion. Past. It's in the past. I don't have to fool with it anymore. And we agree on everything. We've not had a disagreement about anything. And I can't remember when. But feelings came. And with those feelings opened the door to something else. Fear. A fear came in of how are we going to do this? How can I do this? That means I'm going to have to do more of this. And can I do more of that? Do I want to do more of that? Fear. Then that lovely thing called flesh rose up. And it had a choice. Whether it was going to say, okay, I see all that stuff. And I know you've never missed it. But, you know, I got all these feelings and I got all this fear. Am I just going to forget all that stuff and take you at your word and just jump in? Or am I going to yield to this flesh? I'm not going to tell you what I did. Turn to Amos 3. Not now anyway, maybe later. I think everybody knows this verse, but I want you to see it. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now what happened when I did that with Keith? I got out of agreement with him. I unhooked from him. I got out of agreement. But more than that happened. It said, you don't think I'm right? It said, you don't trust me? It said, you don't believe I can hear from God? It said lots more than just, I don't agree. Put the message Bible up there. Do two people walk? Hand in hand, if they're not going to the same place. I think every person in this room, God has a plan for your life. And he has a call for our lives. And he has a purpose for every marriage that's in this room. And he has a job for each and every one of us to do. And I know Keith and I didn't get where we are today. Because we didn't hook up and agree with each other. And I know that this church isn't here today. Because we didn't at some point hook up and agree with each other. And I am quite sure that the biggest part of the problems in marriage. Is because at some point. You and he. Unhooked about something. And you're not walking together and agreed anymore. 
whether it's over something the kids were supposed to do, whether it's over where the job was supposed to be, whether it's over where the car was supposed to be parked, whether it's over where you were supposed to spend your money or how much money you were supposed to spend, or whether it's over your hair was supposed to be red or it was supposed to be black, or whether it's over you were supposed to wear that dress or you were supposed to wear that suit, you unhook somewhere. But the biggest thing you need to be hooked on is what God told you to do. And most people sitting in here now don't have a clue about what God's called them to do. They go through life every day doing the natural things that they're doing and are wondering, okay, what is it that's wrong with our lives? Where are we missing it? What's messed up? Well, the problem is nobody ever took the time to find out what you were supposed to be doing. We just got married and started going on our merry way and wound up here in confused land. I've been in confused land before. It ain't fun. The first problems that we had in our marriage was because Keith was going, if you've ever heard me teach before, you've heard me tell this. This is why we had so many problems when we were first married. Because God had given Keith a plan that we were supposed to do for him. And what was the problem? I refused to do it. He was going to do ministry. I was going to do secular. Now, how well is that going to work? It doesn't work real well. How can two walk together unless they're agreed? When two walking together, they're going the same place. If you're living in the house with somebody, you can't be going in two different directions all the time. And that's what's happened in our marriages today. One is okay with, I have a job and I'm doing this, and you have a job and you're doing this, and never should the twain meet. You don't tell me about yours, and I won't tell you about mine, and we won't confuse each other about our lives. But that's not God's plan. That's your plan. I mean, I know of people that they said, uh, I remember counseling with somebody. And I said, if you do that, you'll be divorced. Because you can't have a business apart from each other and never share what's going to go on in that business. They said, one of the partners says, I'm going to start a business, but I'm never going to share it with this one. It'll be mine. I said, if you do it, you'll be divorced. Because that's not a marriage. And that's what we have today. We don't have a plan from God. We have more of a roommate situation of what's going on with us. This one decides, okay, I want a job over here. And then this one decides, I want a job over here. And maybe we can get together sometime. But God has a better idea. He has a plan for your life. And a purpose for your life. And a course for your life. And he wants you to find out from him what that is. And when you find out what that is, that's what he can bless. Not your decisions and not what you want to do. That's why your finances get in a mess. That's why your kids get in a mess. 
because nobody is in the right place. Well, who's supposed to find out this plan? Turn with me to Ephesians 5:22. And we like this part. It's our favorite part. Husbands, put your fingers in your ears for a moment, please. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives, even as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and he shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And the two shall become one. Say that with me. And the two shall become one. So that means that you have one plan, one purpose, one goal, one vision. I mean, we hear all the time. Husband and wife, one person's one denomination, one person's another denomination. How is that one? There's one plan for our lives. And we have one God. And who is supposed to get that plan from God? Seems to be some confusion about that. Who's supposed to get the plan from God for the family, your family? The head of the house. The guy. Now, in all the years Keith and I have been married, which we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. I think I'm right. Am I right? (laughs) 32 years. He has never, never gone to bed, had pizza the night before, and awakened the next morning and said, okay, we're going to do this are gone out and done some crazy wild thing and spent all our money. God told me to do that. Or done some crazy wild thing and said, God told me to do this. Why is that? Why would he not do something like that? Because he spent some time hearing from God. He didn't just go in there in five minutes and come out and say, I have a plan. I have an idea. 
This is what we're going to do. I mean, if anything, I would be the one to move too fast. It would never be him. I would be saying, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Can we do it now? Can we do it now? Come on. Did you say do it now? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. It wouldn't be him. We don't miss it every other week because he hears from God and then he waits and he makes sure it's God. Well, that's what the husband, the head is supposed to do. And if you don't know the plan, then how is anybody supposed to follow you? I would be hard pressed to follow Keith. I mean, if I didn't know the plan, I don't mind following him. If I know the plan, he's been teaching around here that the Lord sees stuff and then he does it. Well, it just was like a revelation to me when he said it, because this related so much to this, because we are supposed to be the church. The wife is supposed to be the church. And it just, it like, it hit me when he said it, because that's what he does is he sees stuff and we do it. And it happens all the time. When he says something, I'm thinking, okay, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we put that to practice? And he'll say something in a sermon and I'm thinking, okay, how do we do that? What's the practical aspect of that? How do we make that work? What do we do? And I'm thinking, how many people do we need? What do we do? And what's it going to take? How much money? That's my thoughts. I'm the doer of it. Because that's what the church does. But the husband has to see it. And if he's not seeing anything, then what is the family supposed to be doing? And like he said, I'm his helper, but what am I supposed to be helping doing? And that's what it said in Genesis. The wife is the helpmate. What's she helping do? Lay on the sofa and drink tea? (laughs) I don't mean that crudely, but if you don't have a plan... What's she supposed to be helping do? And I got news for you. Her plan ain't it. I used to do this to Keith all the time. I used to sit in the car and he was supposed to sing like he did tonight. I'd get up and we were in the car with the Hagans and I'd go, this is the Holy Ghost. Sing this song tonight. (laughs) I'd do it all the time. Till Brother Hagan got up there and he said... Phyllis, you ain't the Holy Ghost. In front of everybody. He said, but nor is your wife either. And that's what you got to realize. God does have a plan. And he wants us to know what it is. That's his desire more than anything. Jesus is coming. And we all have a job to do. And he wants us to do it. And he wants us to fulfill his plan. And me balking at Keith, because he saw the next stage of the plan that we were supposed to do. And it entailed more work for me or more uh, speaking or, or more anything else that wasn't in the past. My Anyway, um, is not the best thing to do. But it's still the plan. 
And just because you get a plan and your family box at it doesn't mean it's not the plan. It doesn't mean that it, you didn't hear from God. But the thing you got to watch is that it's not your plan. Because they're not required to follow just your plan. If you keep leading them off in ditches everywhere. We've seen it. Time after time after time, you see this little family get up and we just cringe. Keith and I just look at it and we just cringe. And they don't hear from God. They up and load their little families up and they take them off to some place and they spend all their money to get there. And they just got settled and he says, I think we're supposed to go again. And you know it's not God. And here they go again. They didn't pray. They didn't hear from God. But here they go again. What happens when people don't hook with each other? Look at a scripture with me. I think you'll remember this one just a little bit. Exodus 4.24. I've taught on this one just a little bit before. A woman named Zipporah. You remember her? Moses had a plan. And his wife wasn't going to let him do the plan. What does that verse say? And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be Zipporah when I stand before the Lord because I kept my husband from doing the plan of God. But I wouldn't want to be the husband that didn't find out the plan of God. Because if he'd get killed for not doing the plan of God because his wife didn't let him, don't you think the same thing would happen if he didn't even find out what it was to start with? <laughs> so what happens to Zipporah right after this? Does anybody know? She gets shipped back to Jethro, her daddy. And she don't get to see any of the signs and wonders that happen. There's a plan. Reckon how hooked that they were. You think they were one in unity? I don't think so. There's another one we can look at real quick. Genesis 25, 28. I wonder how hooked these guys were. Isaac loved Esau. Because he did eat his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Then verse chapter 27, 5 through 8. I just wonder how this household was after this. Rebekah heard Isaac speak to Esau, his son, and Esau went and fled to hunt for venison and bring it to him. And Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard your father. I wonder how well they got along with that deception. You think they were hooked in unity in one? I don't think so. Wasn't one plan. Wasn't one vision. Wasn't unity. But I do know of one that there was. And I think it's like probably my, one of my women faith heroes. And you probably wouldn't pick it. Can anybody think of it? Nobody can think of it. Genesis 7. 
when Noah went in the ark and his sons went in and his wife went in and his son's wives with him because there was floodwaters. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you think his wife had a chance to doubt him? How many times did she have a chance to doubt him? And how many of her friends talked about her husband? And how many of the people talked about him? And what did she have to do? Did she have to choose sides? What did she have to do? She had to decide that she was going to take a stand and she was going to stand with her. Now, you're shaking your head, but you think about it just a minute. Are you going to stand with your husband, that flaco jaco man <laughs> that's gathering up wood and spending all your money year after year after year after year on something you've never heard of called rain? And he's spending all your, and you fuss when he spends money on a bass boat or golf clubs. Are you going to stand with him year after year after year when everybody in the community forsakes you? You can't even go buy groceries without people laughing at you. You want to hide your face when you go out because of what your husband's doing. You're embarrassed to be seen. Because you got a fruitcake for a husband. Well, that's what everybody says. Year after year. It didn't get easier. But she must have stood. And the other side of it is, do you not think Noah had any doubts? When time went on, do you not think it wore on him? Do you not think it was good for him to have somebody to help him stand? To be there with him. But they must have done it right. Or elsewise, you wouldn't see the sons and the wives together going in with them. They just got in there and said, bye. But you saw them all get in there. But they stood. Well, why didn't... Zipporah and Rebecca do it. Do you remember their three words? They had some feelings. Rebecca loved him. She feared he wouldn't get the blessing. So what did she do? She yielded to her flesh. The very same thing is happening in every marriage that's in this place. Every time a situation arises, feelings come, then fears come, then you have a choice what you're going to do. Because we all know, it says husbands love, wives submit. But we have choices to make. But so many times, these choices can be made difficult or they can be made easier by what the other person is doing. And I think that's why God gave us the illustration of Christ and the church. When I was thinking about that, I thought about the things that 
Christ did for us. What is one of the first things that he did for us? He left heaven. He left his father. Well, what's the first thing that has to happen in a marriage? You have to leave. You have to leave the things that you know and the people that you know. And you have to cleave unto your spouse. Well, it's the same thing in a marriage. The husband has to leave. He's supposed to be portraying Christ. He has to leave what he knows. He has to leave the heavenly realm of being single. (laughs) It's over and done with. It's gone forever. No more getting to do it the way you want to do it, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, where you want to do it, with who you want to do it with. Corinthians says, uh, you got to please your wife now. You got to leave that realm and come live in the wife realm. I know it's sad, but you chose it. I've said it before, but I think if some people would have known what the Bible said about marriage before they got married, they might not have done it. (laughs) Keith taught a few weeks ago about Dave's world. Any of you here? Yeah. He taught about Dave's world. Well, uh, if you don't know what that means, it's the same thing. You've got to uh, leave the things that you want and get involved with somebody else's things. Like, Dave can no longer just do what Dave wants to do. He's got to find out what Kim wants to do. And maybe all Kim wants to do is sit on the back deck and drink coffee. And maybe Dave wanted to watch football. Well, guess what Dave gets to do sometime? Sit on the back deck and drink coffee. Because he's not just in Dave's world anymore. He doesn't get just to watch football anymore. That's what he did when he was single all the time. See how quiet it got? He doesn't live in Dave's world anymore. He has to think about somebody else now. Maybe Kim likes to uh, go to bed early. Maybe Dave doesn't. Well, sometimes Dave needs to be in bed with Kim then. It's not just his world anymore. Maybe he likes to stay up all night and play video games. Well, video games are over. Or maybe he liked to watch certain things on TV. Well, maybe he's got to watch a romantic movie now. He's not just in his world anymore. He's got to live in somebody else's world now. He chose it. He doesn't just live in Dave's world anymore. He lives with Kim now. So he gets to be a part of her world, but he gets to enjoy things living in her world. He might not even know he enjoys them, but he gets to enjoy them. He'll learn to enjoy them. We'll confess that. So um, then what's the next thing that Jesus did for us? He not only came from that realm to this realm, he did something else. He died for us spiritually. So as the man, what is it? That is your requirement to do if Jesus did. The very first thing you got to do is get saved and serve God. You can't just live the life you wanted to live anymore. You've got to serve God and find out his plan for your life. No more 
doing the things that you wanted to do. You've got to lead your family in serving God. That's what we were talking about earlier. Find out how to serve God. If church is open on Sunday morning, you be there leading them. If you're supposed to read your chapter every day like we do around here, you lead them in reading your chapter every day. You don't leave it up to somebody else to do it. You be the head of the spiritual household part of your family. Because you are the spiritual one of the family. You're the head of the family. He died for you spiritually. That's what you've got to do for your family. You've got to carry the spiritual weight of that family. Not the wife. And that's what's wrong with a lot of families. I do pray. And I know how to pray. And I do read my Bible. And I do hear from God. But I will never be the spiritual head of our family. No matter how good I can hear from God. No matter how much I can pray. I will never take the place of Keith hearing from God for our family. It'll never happen. It's his job. And there'll be things that only he will get. And it doesn't matter how much your wife says she heard from God for you. It's not the same thing. You have to hear from God. Well, that went over real big. Doesn't sound like anybody's having any fun, but you're going to have some fun on this next one. I know. I know Keith is. I'm going to go over here. You see me? I'm way over here now, right? What else did Jesus do? He became poor. Uh Oh, y'all got it. The girls got it. Look at the girls. Look at their faces. Look at their faces. Every girl in here has got a grin on their face now. He became poor so that we could be rich. Now, I know that you're thinking, what are you going to say, woman? And you know your husband can get up after you and straighten you out. Yes, I do know that. He has every right to straighten out everything I say, and he always does, so it's, I'm not concerned. But I will tell you what he's done. I know, just the other day, we were out. We had, I think we've gone out twice in two years on our boat. But I remember the day he had a really fast boat. And he liked his boat. And he could beat everybody on the lake in this boat. (laughs) And he had Miss Gloria in it one day, and she was down in the back of the boat like this. Because she was so scared. And I don't know. I guess one day God prevailed on him. Or I did. I don't know which. But he sold his boat and got a boat that I like for me. And the other day we were in it and I was driving it while he was eating something and a sailboat passed us. Is he crying? <laughs> but that's not the worst part. It was not. I was laying on the nose, trying to think and relax and get a sermon and different things and get ready for this week. It was Saturday. And um, 
it was just he and I out there. And I kid you not, it was not 30 minutes later after the sailboat passed us. Here comes this boat exactly like the one we had, but the new improved version. <laughs> and it would go like a hundred plus. And it kept going circles around us and would not stop. Zoom, 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 zoom. And I raced up and I looked at him and I went. <laughs> and I think drool was coming down. I said, you okay? He said. I don't think he was okay, really. But he did that for me. Because I didn't enjoy the other boat at all. I mean, I would ride in it. But you were worn out. <laughs> I mean, I'd ride my jet ski during the day and he'd say, now let's go for a boat ride. And I'd think, you're kidding, right? Because, I mean, I just got beat silly half. I mean, to him, a jet ski ride is a hundred miles. You know, I mean, he don't go for a jet ski ride. He goes for a jet ski ride. I mean, we go on adventures, you know. He's Daniel Boone, you know. I mean, one night we went on this jet ski ride and, um, it was supposed to come, I mean, it came a tornado while we were on this jet ski ride. And we had to pull into this hotel and we had to spend the night on our jet skis. Nothing with us, you know. It was, we barely made it. But anyway, it was an adventure, Daniel Boone. But we would do that and he'd come in and say, now let's go in the boat. And I'd go, okay. And the boat would, I mean, it's like this. It goes, blue, blue, blue. And, every wave and it's how high you can get it out of the water and I know you guys are thinking great wonderful yeah I need one okay he became poor <laughs> and you know what I have painted on the back of this one is a turtle I can drink my coffee and uh, it has a bathroom and it has air conditioning and it's very nice. But it's not his. Somebody said the other day, you know, can we go out on it on ladies night? You know, and I said, I can't drive it. I have to have him. But anyway, you get the picture. You know, you're married now. You got to think about the other one. You can't just think about you. Doesn't work that way. It's fun too, but you got to let the drool come down sometime, you know. And the next one Jesus did for us. He carried, we'll read it, Isaiah 53. Let's read it. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and pains, acquainted with grief and sickness, and like one form of man hid their faces, he was despised, yet we did not appreciate his worth, men, nor did we esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and sicknesses and weaknesses and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him 
stricken, smitten, afflicted of God, as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has made the light to shine on him and the guilt and iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he was submissive and opened not his mouth. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears, he is dumb, and uh, he opened not his mouth. You say, how in the world does that apply to us? It's real simple. I know all the time, anytime things are going on, Who is supposed to be the one to be the stop-all? Who is supposed to be the one that deals with it? Who is supposed to be the one that carries it? I know if I come in sometimes and I've just, I mean, I've dealt with 26 things during the day and he's probably just got in from flying and he's had 15 meetings or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll come in and he'll be sitting there in the chair And I'll go over there and I'll crawl across his lap and I'll sit there and I'll lay my head on his shoulder and he'll say, what are you doing? I'll say, I'm stealing all your juice. (laughs) And that's exactly what I'm doing. Because he's there. And my rock. And who I lean on. And if I don't feel good. He takes care of me. And he's my peace. And he'll be the first to tell you something's going on. First thing I do is get out his CD. And if I got his preach, the last thing I'm listening to is him. He's the thing that settles me. Not the thing that disturbs me. The thing that gives me my peace. Not the thing I dread coming to see. The thing I want there. The thing that when I'm sick, I run to and say, believe with me, pray with me, help me. The thing when I'm in need, he's not going to turn me away. He's going to be there and he's going to say, let's get a scripture, let's stand. What do we need to do? Maybe he can't physically bear my sickness, but he's there to help me get over it. Maybe he can't physically bear whatever I'm dealing with, but he's there to help me figure out how to get past it or give me all of his juice when I lean up on him or carry me when I need it. You say, now you've been talking about what all the man's supposed to do. For about 45 minutes here. What's the woman supposed to do? It's real easy. What is the church supposed to do with Christ? What's the very first thing you have to do with Christ? You have to believe in Him. What is lacking with most women for their spouses? They don't believe in Him. They don't believe they can do it. They don't believe they will do it. 
They don't believe in them. You asked me. You didn't ask me, but I could tell you wanted to know. What did I do when that situation arose? I failed the test. And I got upset. And I thought, I can't do this. It's too much. Too hard. But I didn't see the whole plan. But I didn't have to see the whole plan. I should have trusted. I should have trusted what I knew. We were singing earlier about we will serve him because he is worthy. Why is Jesus worthy? Because of what he did for us. I said on those other situations, you can make your marriage easier to work with or you can make it harder to work with by the way you do things. Women, if you believe in your husbands, I've got a whole stack of things here, what that means. Let me just read them off to you real quickly. It says reverence and respect in uh, Ephesians 5.33, and it gives the definition. These are all the definition of reverence and respect your husband. You notice him. You pay attention to him. You regard him. Careful attention. You honor him. Now, do these sound like anything you're supposed to do to the Lord? See if you recognize any of them. You prefer him. You choose his opinion over other people's opinion. You venerate him. That's something you do as to someone that's a great man or a holy person. You esteem him. You have a high opinion of him. You defer to him. You praise or magnify him. That sounds like something we're supposed to do to the Lord. You love him. You have a deep devotion or affection for them. And you admire him exceedingly. Now, if we do all these things that we talked about and we keep it in line, just exactly like what the scripture says about Christ and the church, that's where we are. That's what has to happen in order for us to have the marriages that we're supposed to have. If we wives serve our husbands the way that the church is supposed to serve Christ, and the husbands love and give all these things that that I was talking about, we won't have the problems that the world has. But the problem is, we've been doing it the exact same way that the world's been doing it. We haven't been doing those things. We've been watching the romantic movies and thinking, I told the girls at prayer the other night, I was going to, and Keith will probably laugh at me when I tell this, I said, I'm going to bring out that old Percy Sledge song, When a Man Loves a Woman. He'll give up all he has. He'll sleep out in the cold if that's the way she wants it. And say, that's what love is. That's what a woman thinks love is. Well, it's not. That's not true love. You can give up everything you've got and it won't mean a thing. Because feelings don't mean anything. Feelings are a substitute For spiritual fulfillment in your life. You know how I know that? It's because that's what I tried to do with him so many times. And then I'd wind up blaming him because I wasn't fulfilled. Because it was something God was trying to deal with me to do spiritually. And I was blaming him for something he wasn't giving me naturally. 
And you'll never feel a natural desire that you're supposed to be getting something spiritual. It'll never happen. You can change husband 62 times and it'll still never happen. Till you find out the plan that God has for your life. And you get on course with it. And you do it as one person. Then God can begin to bless you. And those things that you think are physical desires. That you think you can't live without. You'll find out. Where did that go? What happened to that? That was such a big thing to me. But you know what? Helping these people and doing this. I forgot all about that. And you'll find out you're way more fulfilled than any fleshly fulfillment could ever give you. Because spiritual things always do that. Fleshy things are just a substitute for God's things. So find out, guys, what your part is. Find out if you've got a boat that you need to get rid of. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Whatever the situation is. And... uh, Ladies, find out how to believe in what your husband is doing. Find out how to hook with him. Find out how to become one. Start. Find out something that you could go back. That I remember just exactly the moment on that situation. The moment that I unhooked with Keith. It was not confusing to me. I was not bewildered by it. The devil didn't have to come in and say, you know, here I am with a red pitchfork. I knew what was going on. And you know what's going on. But this flesh and that pride stuff goes hand in hand. But pride goes before destruction. And it can destroy your marriage, your home, your relationship, your foundation, everything that you've built. And it goes back to that fear and those feelings. So that's all I got for you. So you can have it now. Oh, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for His goodness, for His faithfulness. Oh, Lord, we honor Your Word. We reverence You. We receive Your words tonight through Your daughter. We receive, Lord, by Your Spirit, the exhortation, the admonishment, the instruction, the correction. Everybody say, I receive the Word. I receive your word. Hallelujah. Like she was saying in the beginning, or the Lord through her, you know, you can know all kind of things, but it's not going to help us if we don't do them, right? It's not what we know. It's what we do. I want us to just pray in the spirit for a bit here. And I want us to open up our spirit real wide to him. You know, Phyllis yielded to the spirit and gave out what the Lord gave her. But that sits different ways in different people's hearts. And there's specific application and a way to be a doer of these things. And let's pray about it, right? Let me lead you in a prayer with our understanding. Let's pray in the Spirit some. And forget about your spouse for just a moment. Don't be thinking about them. This is just you before the Lord. Will you do what He tells you to do? That's the big question. Will you do what He tells you to do? with your family, with your spouse, with this whole thing. 
So say it out loud. Father God, thank you for your holy word. Your plan is perfect. Your way is right. Forgive us for trying to go our own way. Doing something different than what you said or the way you said to do it. And so we ask you, show us how these words apply to us specifically and how to be a doer of it. The next step to take, exactly what to do and how to do that you may be pleased and your perfect will be completely done in us. Work in me to will and to do of all your good pleasure. Fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Make me strong by your spirit in my inner man to do your will. Forgive me for looking to other people, blaming other people, focusing on them, what I thought they should do. Help me to see myself through your eyes where I really am and where you would have me to be. Help me open my eyes to see and allow and receive the changes in myself to be exactly what you've called me to be, created me to be, ordained me to be. Help me to see and receive for myself all the changes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Phyllis, would you come and help me pray, please? Good word. Good word. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many agree? Good word. Good word. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to lead the men in a prayer. And then, Phyllis, if you got it on your heart, would you lead the ladies in a prayer? Everybody just close your eyes. And this is holy before the Lord. Now, we're not just saying stuff. This is before Him. And we're believing God. Men only. Let me lead you in a prayer. Father God, thank you for making me a man. Giving me an opportunity. To do your will. Find your plan. I pray. Reveal to me. How to be like Jesus. How to love my wife. How to love my children. How to love my family. How to love my friends. Like I'm supposed to. Open my eyes. To areas. I've come short and fallen short in doing this. And I ask you, grace me, enable me, reveal to me, help me 
to love my family the way I'm supposed to. I ask you for the plan. Reveal to me and show me how to lead like I'm supposed to. I seek your face. I ask in faith. Not my way. Not my will. Not what I want to do. But your will. Your plan. Be done. I ask for it. Show me how to lead. How to take the steps. How to be the love head. How to take the lead. The spiritual lead. And do it in the way I'm supposed to. I ask for the wisdom. For the grace. For the strength. For the plan. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ladies. Father God. Give me the wisdom. The strength. The encouragement. That I need. To do the job. That I need to do. To serve my husband. To be a helpmate. That you've called me to be. Show me ways that I can help him that I didn't know about. Show me ways that I can help lead my family that I didn't know about with my kids. Give me a heart to seek God and do things in a manner that would not be judgmental, self-seeking, prideful. But helpful. That would be a way we could serve together. That I wouldn't take the lead. But I would learn to follow in the footsteps that he leads completely. Not judging, but wholehearted. Not self-seeking, but Lord-seeking in everything we do. And we seek you. Together in your plan. And we thank you for giving us the grace to do it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all lift our hands and thank the Lord for hearing our prayer tonight. We're sincere with him. We're serious with him. And he sees our hearts. And we're praying according to his will. And he said if we do that, he would hear us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So let's thank him. Father, thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering them. Thank you for directing us, guiding us, helping us. Oh, Lord, we're expecting great grace, great grace to be upon us all. Your strength to come up in us. Your light to come up in us. Oh, Lord, get glory to yourself in our marriages, in our families, in our ministries. When they see us, Lord, let them see you. Let them see Christ in the church. Let them see the glory of God. Let them see your love and your grace and your life and your joy and your goodness and get glory to yourself. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries 
and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.